Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report, and today we are going to bring you an honest discussion of dioxin and how the dioxin toxicity plays into COVID vaccine toxicity with two of our international scientists, Dr. Jonathan Gilthorpe and Dr. Michael Yeadon. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we are here with another major whistleblower report right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio from the Truth for Health Foundation, www.truthforhealth.org, where we will be posting many resources for all of you with questions about dioxin and what is the government covering up. This is now. 23 days since the detonation of five rail cars of vinyl chloride in East Palestine, Ohio, creating one of the most massive toxic chemical plumes in our history. And the government is still not answering the questions from the people. Independent testing is not being done to determine the chemical that was released, all of the chemicals that were released. Our EPA contact in Ohio has only acknowledged the testing for two chemicals, vinyl chloride and one other that is not dioxin. Not dioxin, the most toxic chemical known to man. And yet, they are not looking for it. The vinyl chloride gas that was released, intentionally burned, sent hydrogen chloride, the toxic gas phosgene, and dioxins and furans into the air in a plume that spread over the northeastern United States and up into Canada. And then... With no explanation, health officials stated, there's no cause for alarm. We have everything under control. Yeah, right. Not only under control, they're scrubbing from the internet past EPA documents that discuss the toxicity of dioxins and furans, not only for people, but for animals, wildlife, aquatic life, the soil, the the air, and the waterways. America, we have a major cover-up and toxic spill 
that is the largest in our history. And government leaders are not only failing to tell you the truth, they are making it hard for citizen journalists to find the information because no sooner did we find documents about past dioxin toxicity, including acute inhalation toxicity, a publication from the 1970s, and we found another one from New Jersey, 1985, and both of those documents were taken off of the EPA website a day after we found them and downloaded them. So all of you citizen journalists out there, you need to be finding everything you can about dioxin on EPA sites in your state, the state EPA site, and the federal EPA site because they're taking it down and covering up how toxic this chemical is. And it is a known byproduct of the combustion of vinyl chloride. There are many chemicals released in the combustion of vinyl chloride, but dioxin, the group of dioxins, of which the most toxic is the TCDD that was Agent Orange that you've heard about from the Vietnam War and caused all of the health effects for our veterans. So let's, let's talk with our scientists. Both are scientists with an entire career looking at toxicology, looking at the toxic effects on embryos and biological systems with chemicals like dioxin and many others. But Dr. Gilthorpe and Dr. Eden are regulars on the Whistleblower Report, and their backgrounds are summarized in our write-ups with the shows. So take a look at the extensive background both of them bring to this in the world of science, toxicology, immunology, and biological systems. Welcome, Dr. Gilthorpe and Dr. Eden. Thank you for joining us today. Let's have a dialogue about just exactly what do you see as the enormity of the damage that's been unleashed on certainly America, but into Canada, and then with it going into the waterways, we, we don't know where it can end up. Yeah, maybe, uh, thank you, Dr. Lee, this is Mike Eden. Uh, maybe uh, Jonathan Lee, I, I'll just say what's on my mind for a couple of minutes and then and then uh, knock the ball over to you. So um, yeah, so multi-decade experience working in, in industrial chemicals, in my case, applied uh, research seeking uh, new new medicines to treat allergic and respiratory disease. But my training incorporated biochemistry and toxicology. And, and as I may have mentioned previously, uh, one of our worked examples was dioxin uh, released from an industrial fire uh, in which chlorinated um, aromatic hydrocarbons were burned. And inevitably, as we now know, when you do that, uh, dioxin is one of the products. Uh, and as we talked about last week, it's, if not uh, the one of the most potent uh, chemical uh, toxins, you know, s distinguishing it perhaps from fungal toxins and so on. It's the, one of the most potent uh, and adverse, adversely toxic chemicals known to man. It's not, it's not present in nature at all, because uh, nature doesn't contain these chlorinated 
ar- aromatic hydrocarbons. And so even if there was an accidental fire in nature, you, you just don't get this stuff. Um, what we know is it's um, it's pleiotropic. That is, it has multiple effects, everything from disrupting uh, the development of embryos uh, through the normal functioning of human um, sort of neuroendocrine system, endocrine system, but also things like like cancer. And so when we hear tell of, I don't know, whatever it was, four or five large liquid tankers containing this vinyl chloride, which is a legitimate, much-used chemis- chemical to make polymers, uh, having been deliberately uh, breached after a derailment. I, d- I didn't know that till recently. So these tankers were still intact at the site of derailment where there was some other material on fire. And apparently the first responders chose to breach these containment vessels into a trench and burn and do what they called a controlled burn off. And I've never heard anything so reckless in my life because that's the method by which this terribly potent dioxin, which is incredibly persistent both in the environment and in any animal that absorbs it. Um, I can't think of anything more stupid. You know, why wouldn't they bring tankers to the scene and uh, and try and pump it out? Or if you had to avoid an explosion, then well, pump out the vinyl chloride and let it soak into the land. That That's horrible, but it's much less bad than creating one of the biggest darks and plumes in history. So I'm at sixes and sevens, I read other news reports to say there's similar, well, numerous chemical burnouts all around the world. And I'm thinking, what the Dickens is is going on? But I feel for the people in the town and everyone downwind, and and I'm shaking my head at, at the crazy actions of the Environmental Protection Agency and news reporting agency. Anyway, I'll pause there because there's so much well, to say. Dr. Eden. Let me make it very clear. You are absolutely right in the statements you just made. And the military hazmat, chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear weapons hazmat response leader in the U.S. Army National Guard with 25 years experience and 15 in the Seaburn specialty certification and other military hazmat experts have been interviewed and have stated unequivocally, citing from the ERG manual and the NIOSH manuals, where the step-by-step hazmat responses are outlined that first responders are supposed to use every one of the traditional principles of hazmat response and proper containment In this East Palestine disaster, the opposite steps were taken. Instead of containment, they drained it into an open trench and set it on fire. They detonated the rail cars instead of every hazmat emergency response guide says you drain it out of the tank into another container. They do it with when there are spills on the interstate, they have set procedures for all of this. Mm. And every one of them were violated in this East Palestine. There's no way you can look at it other than the fact that this was an intentional making it orders of magnitude worse 
than it would have been. Yes. Yeah, I can hop in then, uh, Dr. Lee and Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, as I, I mentioned last week, when I first saw the uh, the coverage of the explosion on Telegram, more or less the day it happened, I thought it was a hoax. I mean, I couldn't believe that a cloud like that would have been released intentionally or even accidentally from a train crash because it was just enormous. Um, and then as some days passed and it seemed that this was started intentionally, um, you know, by doing a controlled burn, whatever that means in this situation, I I was just astounded because, you know, having, having a lab background, you're very used to dealing with dangerous chemicals and having safety protocols in place, standard operating procedures in case there is a spill. And it's always first thing you do is contain. You, you would never... <laughs> You never consider dispersing something or creating a new chemical hazard by burning hazardous chemicals um, in in situ. I, I just can't understand how that happened. I mean, I don't have a hazmat background, but so for me, it, it's a little bit like COVID. The, a lot of focus should really lay at what happened in those early moments that led to these things being uh, incinerated, because there you will find the culprits that are you know guilty for this. I mean, it's got to be a crime. I can't see how it's not criminal. Um, you don't accidentally do that. No, I would agree. And, and that's what is coming to light from all of the people who are properly credentialed. I mean, even um, Kent State environmental health expert spoke out in the media, Purdue University, one of their experts spoke out in the media about the fact that this was unprecedented in the way it was handled. And it has it is clearly contaminated that entire swath of Ohio, Pennsylvania, and on into the Northeast with the toxic smoke plume. But even equally alarming is the way that it was dispersed into the waterways that carry from the Ohio River Basin on through to the Mississippi River and on through down to the Gulf of Mexico. So the enormity of this environmental disaster is only beginning to be appreciated by those who understand the dispersal that took place. Let's, let's come back to both of your backgrounds, though. What are some of the health consequences that we know from your years of research developmentally, and we know from the role of these chemicals as endocrine disruptors and carcinogens. Let's, let's talk a little more about the developmental aspects in embryos, whether it's animal or wildlife and aquatic life and humans, but all of all life forms are affected by these disruptors of normal processes. Could yeah. you help our listeners understand how that takes place and how they how chemicals in the group called dioxins mm. can have such massive effects? Sure. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an embryologist, so uh, I won't be on the detail. But, you know, um, I think I can explain it in a way that's that's kind of good enough, not only for lay audience but even for fellow scientists but you know dioxin binds and, and other chemicals in that family they bind to 
nuclear receptors, that is proteins that sit inside the inner sanctum of your cell, um, controlling which genes are turned on and are, and are being expressed and which genes are turned off and are silent. Uh, and so when this stuff is, is in your cell, it dysregulates uh, the beautiful, uh, complicated, incompletely understood ballet of genes being turned on and off, uh, which occur, I guess, with, with greater profusion during early embryo development, when you've just got a sperm and an egg. Uh, and now this is going to have to divide into a ball of cells and then differentiate and eventually become you know, a human. Uh, and all of those stages involve you know, tremendous um, activation and repression of, of, of a variety of, of genes. You throw in the spanner in the works of something like dioxin, the probability that all of those steps are going to happen to time uh, is zero. And so what happens is you, you, you as it were, you use a slang term, you kind of mangle that beautifully orchestrated uh, series of, of, of genes being turned on and off. And, and I would imagine, I don't know the details, but I would imagine depending on the exposure and the timing of the exposure, you know, almost anything could happen. The chances that you'd end up with that with a healthy, complete baby is not a high chance. So I can't go into details because I don't have them, but maybe maybe Jonathan, maybe Dr. Gilthorpe has a little more, but I think that's the heart of the matter. And like I said earlier, that the unbelievable level of potency, I think, Dr. Lee used the example last week of a of a bare aspirin divided into 32 million pieces. And if you had one of those microscopic pieces, that would be you know, at or, or above the upper limit of exposure of a human being to this stuff and still remain whole. So, Jonathan, what can you say? Yeah, I will hop in there, uh, Mike. Um, well, so I, I have a background in microbiology and virology and then a lot of biochemistry. And then I did my PhD in embryo development in developmental biology. So I studied the kind of systems that regulate how the single cell embryo, like a fertilized egg, gives rise to this thing that we see as a human or an animal body form. And those systems and genes that Mike mentioned are very conserved. So even though, for example, you know, a, a human looks very different from a chicken, we have similar genes with very similar sequences that are regular, or at least at the protein level, are regulating the decisions about making organs, nervous systems, um, patterning the body. So all the right bits are in the right places. And there is a particular protein called aryl hydrocarbon receptor or AHR which dioxins bind to uh, and this is central to many of those processes and because essentially cancer is a kind of deregulated system of our development where cells can now as we become mature we shouldn't really make lots of new cells but we need to do that as we're growing as an embryo as a child then cancer is somehow, in, ma in many ways, a kind of reversion back to this more ancient state of the body where cells need to proliferate very quickly and not, not in a regulated way, but unregulated. So I think this is one of the central concepts of why dioxins can trigger cancer and also malformations in, in embryos or in the um, reproductive system because they're kind of key systems like Mike mentioned. Um, and the, the problem, I think, with dioxins is they're so incredibly stable. There's nothing really that breaks them down easily in, in biology. 
they are degraded slowly by the body, but not easily, but they're also very fat soluble. So they easily get into cells uh, through the fatty cell membrane. They don't need to be transported in necessarily through a specific receptor that shuttles them in. Uh, and once they're in there, they, yeah, like Mike said, a spanner in the works, they just create havoc with systems that are very important for our normal, well, for development, but also just normal cellular activity. So various uh, hormones and uh, compounds that look a bit like a dioxin that we, our bodies use for keeping things going and, and happy and, and, and healthily, uh, they interfere with that. And because they don't get broken down easily, they, they're very, very potent. And so the fact that they are so potent and they are so fat soluble and they permeate the cell membrane, that means that a woman who's pregnant and is exposed, like, for example, to this massive smoke plume that has to contain, we don't have the specifics on how much because the testing isn't being done, but we know that dioxins are a known incontrovertible byproduct of combustion of vinyl chloride. So we know it's there. The question is how much. So pregnant women exposed to that can have their developing babies in utero affected by these dioxins, correct? Because they can cross the placental barrier since they're so fat soluble. Yeah, yeah, un un unquestionable, unquestionable, uh, unquestionably, that's that's true. These chemicals distribute uh, you know, deeply and extensively around the body, and then I'm afraid they don't. They pretty much don't come out. Well, the half life is up to 25 years, and so it, it we know that that's the the half life of the TCDD or Agent Orange, or it's called dioxin, although there are many dioxins in that group. But the most potent one, the most damaging one is this one. And what we know is that the half-life in the body can be up to 25 years. So if it takes five half-lives to clear a drug or a chemical from the body, then five times 25 years we do the math, that's 125 years. That's greater than the lifespan of most people in Western countries. Uh, yeah. Yes, totally. They are, I mean, that's essentially why they're so toxic. They, they, they're very, they're active at very low concentrations and they build up in biological systems. So, you know, it's, it's a double uh, and it, and, and it's, it's known been known for a long time how toxic they are uh there are you know this is one of the reasons i mean eating the the normal sources of dioxins in 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 the normal environment are you know some i guess from uh chemicals in the environment also though from eating lots of dairy products and meat because they tend to accumulate in in meat products so then you because there's fats in them and then you eat those and then you accumulate them so they they do accumulate in, in predators further up the hierarchy, which humans are, of course. Um, so this is why environmental poisoning with them is so bad, because if it's in a farming area, then the foods that are grown on the land or the animals that are fed on the food will then 
accumulate them over over time and then you know you can't really eat those because the the um, food source is contaminated no that's exactly right and that was a very rich farming highly productive agricultural region of the united states and very very a lot of farming a lot of um dairy farming a lot of not only agricultural products but a lot of cattle and and dairy farms in that area so then we have that plus the water contamination and one of the things that i want to mention before we take a break and we'll talk more about it second half when when we talk about chemicals that are very fat soluble that was the same mechanism by which the lipid nanoparticles served to drive the covid mrna technology across the blood brain barrier in people causing brain damage and brain inflammation and also across the placental barrier to affect the developing baby so in the second half let's talk more about the parallels in the damage across the blood brain barrier with both the dioxins and the covid shots and what might we predict would be some of the health consequences of now at least half of the people in the united states have been vaccinated with the experimental covid shot so those who live in that part of the country have a, a greater risk of damage now after the exposure with the dioxins and other toxic chemicals in that plume from the train disaster we'll be right back after the break and talk more with dr gilthorp from sweden and dr mike eden from the uk and of course dr lee for america practicing us physician right here in the us so america we'll be right back tune in every day monday through friday for the whistleblower report on america out loud talk radio 12 noon eastern and again at 12 midnight eastern and check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org we're going to be posting a lot of dioxin resources and a lot of ways to help mitigate the damage with nutraceuticals the kinds of foods you choose as well as a few prescription medications that have been shown to be helpful so we will be making those resources available in the dioxin toxicity and treatment guide available from truth for health foundation we will be right back after the break america out loud beats to the pulse of our nation we know when you're angry you're troubled confused glad and thankful well we know you because we are you americaoutloud.com join us as we explore the most important issues of our time America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. 
Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative thinking. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America here with Dr. Jonathan Gilthorpe and Dr. Michael Yeadon, two eminently qualified scientists and with backgrounds in toxicology, immunology, microbiology, virology, and developmental biology. You couldn't have two better experts to talk about the wide ranging effects of both the COVID experimental gene therapy shot, and now the toxicity of the dioxins. So let's, let's go back to what we were talking about in the first half with the fact that the dioxins and the lipid nanoparticle coated mRNA COVID shots are both designed, they both are fat soluble, they both cross not only the placental barrier, the cell membranes throughout the body, deposit in endocrine organs and disrupt them. They also cross the blood-brain barrier. So let's talk from your perspectives about the kinds of things that you would expect to see as problems when we start combining the synergistic toxicity of people who've gotten the COVID shots and now exposed to the dioxin chemicals. Wow, that's a, that's a tough one. So uh, Jonathan, while you're letting your brain spin up, um, I would say just a, a principle is that you would, you would generally expect at least additive uh, outcomes, you know, adverse outcomes if you have toxin A and toxin B in the same, same person. So someone who's been exposed to, say, one the Pfizer or Moderna shot, um, various parts of their body are expressing uh, whatever was encoded in the message, uh, and allegedly this spike protein, this virus spike protein. The long and short is it's definitely not a human protein. It's a non-self or foreign protein. So wherever that stuff is taken up and expressed, we'll be marking the, those particular cells and tissues as 
having uh, become rogue. They're no longer uh, welcome in your body, and your immune system will, will launch what's called an autoimmune attack on those tissues. And while all of this is going on, um, then then if you get an exposure to, to dioxin, as I say, pr- the principle would be you would get at least additive. You, know, you, you don't get spared the new toxicity. But in practice, what often happens is you get something like synergy. So you get a, a unit of one tox- toxin and a unit of another. But instead of getting two units of bad outcome, you might get four or eight or 16. So I, I don't know what it would be in this case. But if I was to speculate, I think it would be more than additive because each of these are so fundamental that they're not like um, receiving a minor burn on one hand and then grazing the other palm. I think this is something so fundamental that more than additive seems um, seems likely. But But Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's entirely right, Mike. I mean, it's going to be a very difficult thing to gauge because you will have people that have had different levels of exposure to products in the mRNA shots. Uh, I don't want to call them vaccines. Um, And they have some level of toxicity, but that's also difficult to work out on a person-by-person basis because people have had very i mean it is known that the it has been shown now that the number of shots you have had will successively reduce your um uh, predicted lifespan so there is a toxic effect of repeated shots and and i think adding this on top of that you know different levels of exposure for different people depends where you live right i mean how did you get uh, exposed to the chemical fire have you got it through drinking water? Have you picked it up through surface contamination because it's in the dust or surfaces where you've lived or where you work? So it's very difficult to know what kind of dose people got, I, I think. But yeah, there will be an additive effect if, if the system is already stressed and then you put in a very potent chemical stressor, um, which these xenobiotic compounds are, you, you're going to create an amplification of problems that are the weakest point in the system is the one that will will suffer the weakest link um and and as we mentioned earlier in the first part that these chemicals kind of stress many important parts of the system that cells need to to work properly so i mean i i would imagine the first thing that we might see probably apart from acute illness respiratory problems that people are reporting already is the drop in fertility and we've already seen a drop in fertility in the Western world in many countries, including Sweden, which we've published an article about. I think it's about 8% this year. And it coincided with when women of fertile age that would have got the COVID mRNA shots, uh, you know, basically eight months after that rollout started is when you first saw a drop in fertility or birth rate, not fertility, uh, in Sweden. And that's been seen in many other countries in the Western world as well. So I think the birth rate is in that region is probably going to drop faster. Well, uh, I don't they- think there's any question that we will see that because part of my work in medicine over the last 38 years has been looking at the broad impact of any endocrine disruptors in the environment, food additives, chemicals in the environment, um, lifestyle stress, any, there, there are 
I've written a whole book on it called It's My Ovary Stupid. If any of you would like to read it, that book is still available, even though it was published 20 years ago. It was addressing all of these environmental, lifestyle, medication, illness, endocrine disruptors. And there's no question but what it disrupts when you have agents like the dioxins, like the mRNA lipid nanoparticle coated COVID shots that are concentrating in the ovaries in women, testes in men, and you're disrupting the function of those critical endocrine organs, they don't just affect fertility and reproduction, they affect every organ system in the body because the hormones, the reproductive hormones regulate brain function, they regulate cardiac function, they regulate the vascular tone in blood vessels, They, they regulate nitric oxide release. I mean, these are hugely critical metabolic hormones, much broader than just reproduction. But one of the first things you see is decline in fertility. Infertility is one of the leading causes of endometriosis. I'm sorry, endometriosis is one of the leading causes of infertility. And endometriosis has direct links to the dioxins in the environment. And they they showed that with studies in monkeys that had been exposed to Agent Orange And these monkeys died of horrific, horrific disseminated endometriosis that had even invaded the lungs. So there's no question that the dioxins have massive effects on all of the organ systems. But the first thing, I think you're right, that you would see is simply a decline in women's ability to get pregnant. And we've shown that. Our Stolen Future is a book from years ago that talked about the way the endocrine disruptors are affecting male fertility, male sperm counts, motility of sperm, and that that was reported 30 years ago. So it's just gotten worse. Yeah, um, I, I just had a thought. Um, it's unrelated to, to the uh, to dioxin, not, not so much the fertility, uh, we we were discussing last week how distressed we were that there did not seem to be an official response that involved proper sampling and determination of the concentrations of of this toxin. We we're just stunned. Still haven't seen anything authentic uh, to tell us that anyone's doing proper measurements. Without which, how can you assess the the, ha- the environmental hazard? But what I mentioned last week, and I've just gone to check my notes in the intervening week, um, one of the one of the earliest um, effects that can be seen or is usually seen if people are exposed to sizable concentrations of, of dioxin is they get something called chloracne. Uh, and it's a particularly nasty and intense form of acne, uh, often on the face, you know, the neck, the hands. And I looked it up and typically three to four weeks so if you've been exposed to this, perhaps at concentrations that they weren't so severe that you even noticed, but the first thing you notice is you know, shaving if you're a guy or whatever, uh, and you think, well, what's going on here? I've got these comedones or, or big you know, bumps coming up on my skin. Um, what I'm asking is if anyone's listening, and especially if they're kind of 
downwind of this incident, you know, if not you, do you have friends or acquaintances that are reporting, you know, unusual acnes? Because obviously, if you just saw one case on its own, you'd think poor person, you know, some kind of bacterial infection, acnogenic bugs or whatever. But if you notice it right now, uh, in another week or so, uh, I urge you to just make that fact known on the social media. So if it does occur, people can at least join the dots and it'll be an informal way of being able to track where the stuff has fallen out from the plume. No, that's an excellent, excellent recommendation, Dr. Eden, because that's something people can see as a, an immediate change. I think right. that's very, very good. And one of the things that we're working to do is, is have a reporting form on our website where people can report unusual new changes in their health if they've been in that region of the country at the time of this accident. And let's just see if as a public charity, we we could help get these issues brought to light because the government agencies are working as hard as they can to cover it up. The citizens of that area have still not been informed of the health risk of all of this that we've been discussing. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's completely unforgivable. Uh, you know, there's, there's presumptively one of the worst uh, releases into the environment of dioxin. You know, it'd be a ma- it's a major industrial accident, no question, regionally, not just locally. Um, and, um, <laughs> you know, it, there ought to be the EPA people all over it, you know, sampling, sampling, making measurements, and somehow reporting out through through the local administrations and health systems. And and the, the, as far as I know, there isn't any sign of that. You know, they're I, I've checked for, for example, in the UK, the British Broadcasting Corporation, they have reported that there has been this derailment uh, in Ohio and there was a fire and they mentioned what it was of, what it was of. And I was surprised but pleased to see they did say that as a consequence, there would be an expectation of this very poisonous dioxin in the environment. But I can't find anything new in the last week from the British national broadcaster, which is just, it's just astonishing. You know, it's bound to be of interest and um, don't know what's happening locally, uh, you know, Lee, but again, some of the listeners will, will be able to advise us because we don't have eyes and ears everywhere, but we can, we look on the socials and there's just a lot of missing information, very troubling. Well, I think the social media um reporting is a really good idea, Dr. Eden, and I, I would encourage all of our listeners if, if, to alert your friends and family members and your networks. Share this message for people in the Ohio, Pennsylvania, Northeastern United States that was so heavily hit and hard hit by this toxic plume when they detonated those rail cars. That was, look, that was no controlled burn. That's a description designed to minimize what was done. That was a deliberate detonation. Mm. They detonated those tanks. And it was totally uncontrolled. It was the opposite of a controlled burn, which is a term they use 
in firefighting with the back burning to stop the advancing of a fire. This was not a controlled burn. It was a deliberate detonation dispersal to maximum distance with that detonation. That's the only way we can look at this. So all of you listening, alert people in your social media networks in that region of the country, the Northeastern United States, watch for three to four weeks after that explosion, February 3rd, watch for the development of the worst kind of acne you've ever had in your life. That's the bottom line. Chloracne is unlike any acne you've ever had. And it is dense. It is uncomfortable. It is disfiguring. And it, it, there's no question that this is something very different from any acne outbreak you've had in the past. That is a classic symptom of dioxin exposure. And we need to start trying to get people who have that manifestation reporting it so that we can look at the severity of it and how widespread it's happening. Yeah, I think that was an excellent point, Mike, that you picked up there, because that is, I mean, that is the canary in the coal mine, if if you like. That's the easiest way to spot. I, I assume people must have maybe had, I don't know what kind of dose is required to give chloracne, but um, as we said, you know, dioxins are so potent. It's just a few micrograms per, per month, I think, is the... Um, you know, official limit for what you humans can tolerate before you get some kind of side effects. Uh, I was just going to follow up. The I, I looked in the Swedish news and there were two articles in the leading, well, I, I call it leading, one of the most considered to be leading newspapers, Dagens Nyheter, um, about the crash, one, well, the train accident, uh, one when it happened, and there was one also to talk about the, the fact that the, um, material that was being removed to be disposed of from the site had actually been paused. And I don't know what lies behind that fact that they were going to remove a lot of de um, waste material from the site. And then suddenly the, the, the trucks that were removing it were, were prevented from moving it. I don't know who who's behind that, but I think that one of the defining things of this is just there's so much, uh, you know, clear, lack of information from the authorities uh you know trump's been to visit but biden wouldn't hasn't gone and he doesn't really see why he would need to trump goes there and he's handing out hamburgers and bottles of water i also find that a little bit strange but maybe you know it almost seems that like it's been used as a pr stunt for republican versus democrat um uh, all the time there are people that, that are there in a totally uncertain situation that may have been exposed or may not have been exposed and should be being monitored. No, there's just been a serious lack of proper testing and monitoring. I mean, in all of the past environmental spills of dioxin going back into the 70s when, when I was adult enough to be aware of these things, it, it was really striking how massive the response was at the beginning and monitoring and reporting. I mean, we can go back 
to Love Canal. We can go back to Times Beach, Missouri, New Jersey. There were there were spills in New Jersey that affected some college dormitories and the the massive response at the time and the spill at Fort Bragg. All of these had proper responses, and yet none of that is being done here. It's 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 really quite chilling to see not only the lack of proper response, the lack of information to the public, the lack of testing, but the deliberate cover-up and the removal of information from the EPA sites. Yeah. Is it so who is it in the US that's responsible for taking over a site when that an accident like that happens, Dr. Lee? Is it the EPA? It's the EPA and FEMA. Mm. Um, I, mean, I, I also, I, I, I mean, I think it's also very important that people listening in, you know, just bombard these agencies with phone calls, with emails, just to make them realize that there are many concerned citizens out there and they want answers. Uh, I think, you know, the power of people taking uh, action however small it might seem and how inconsequential it might seem, it does have an effect if enough people put pressure on those people to, you know, act at least as honestly as they're able to in that situation. Well, that's right. And in fact, no, carry on, Dr. Sorry. Well, along to your point about the EPA listeners, there is a, EPA form on the website, on the Environmental Protection Agency website, you can file a citizen's complaint about an Environmental Protection Agency problem in your area. And so actually, I think we need to encourage citizens in that whole northeastern region of the United States to start filing EPA complaints demanding answers demanding an investigation and perhaps with thousands of complaints there might be enough pressure to break through this cover-up that's going on go ahead and then you were going to bring up something about covid i wanted to make that point about the epa complaint form yeah, no, that's excellent advice, Dr. Lee. I mean, and also people that are not necessarily very close to the site because this, you know, dioxins will spread in the in the air, in the in the depending on which way the prevailing winds were, there'll be a huge plume of exposure over the northeast side of the US. So, you know, I I don't think it should be just limited to anyone in the area, but it it would definitely have more weight if people have been directly affected. Um, well, I'm thinking also COVID because there was such a lack of information in the early days. There was so much fear spread through the news networks. And I think that kind of inhibited people from really addressing problems with politicians, with reporters in the newspaper. You know, why are you not reporting on this? This is a massive story. They've got away with so much over the last few years because people thought that their voice didn't really count. Um, 
but it doesn't take much time to write one email or one letter a day and send it to a person. And if everyone does that, then suddenly the mountain of mails and emails becomes too much for them to ignore. So they have to do something about it. And at least they realize that, you know, someone is on their case, that they're not getting away with this scot-free. No, I think you're exactly right. Dr. Eden, what are you seeing from the UK? Are you seeing any progress with citizen action as we are discussing here? Not really. I mean, the, the, where I'm living, uh, southeast of England, um, so south and east of London in Canterbury, which is quite clear, close to the coast, the next country over the water is, is France. And we're, we're currently in France, actually. Um, and I would say... It does have the sense of reaching, of approaching a tipping point. The uh, the number of times now I I see you know tweets and and comments on Telegram and other places where people have realised that they've been lied to. I mean, really badly um, for over three years now in relation to to, to the to the to the COVID incidents. And and there's diverse views as to what this actually is. Is it a virus? Is it a some sort of uh, biological poisoning, but that aside, we've been lied to about the severity of the of the uh, population threat, health threat. Lied to about masks, lockdowns, mass testing, the necessity of vaccination, the safety and efficacy, and propriety really of these injections. All of that, I'm afraid, is lies, and people know that they see all around them um, that the spontaneous death rates, you know, the all-cause mortality in the working age population, certainly in America, I know this because I've, I've been in touch with Ed Dowd, uh, is 40% higher than in normal times. This is, this is um, it's such an extreme deviation from the normal rates of death, this increase, that it's, it's, it's definitely caused by something. And we, we believe that that's the vaccines. Um, but there, and there are now... We have groups, just myriad groups know broadly what I just said is true. They've been lied to and harmed. Uh, what's not happening are that many court cases. And I, and I, I fear it's because there's a great deal of, uh, of corruption and, and capture, even, even in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in the legal system. So what, what we're seeing is a lot of demonstrations and I think people coming together uh, and whether I don't believe demonstrations on their own have much effect because the the criminals that are coordinating this are they don't they're not interested in your vote. So when we do democratic things, uh, we shouldn't anticipate they will have traction directly because they've turned themselves into crooks. But what what it does do is it tells the other people around you you're not alone, and that's why I I, I was asked people you know if you can put your hand up if you can speak out if you can turn up. What you do is you you reinforce that we know we, we we're on your case. We know you're doing these things, and that's bound to alter what they do. But so unfortunately, it's a big fat no on the legal side. I'm not close to any legal cases, so there may be more of them going on than I know about. But I'm seeing I'm seeing the people movement, shall we say, the the anger, the realization, the confusion and fear. Um, but support each other by, as I say, putting your hand up, speak up, turn up. That's that's. I think that's very powerful. 
I think that's a powerful message as we wrap up another whistleblower report. Turn up, speak up, get involved, get loud, and file complaints. Look at the options in your country, UK, Sweden, all over Europe, around the world. You have resources in your own country where you can get involved, file complaints, and start going to local public health meetings, um, city councils, commissioners, whatever you have in your area, get involved and hold the individuals that are governing your community, your county, your state, your province, whatever the organization is in your country, get involved at the local level and start putting pressure on them. And as we've said today, a couple of more practical ideas. Number one, start paying attention to changes in your health. Early changes are the chloracne, the worst acne you've ever seen, lung symptoms, respiratory problems, shortness of breath, acute inhalation toxicity. And the one of the uh, next things you're going to be seeing for women is menstrual irregularities, breakthrough bleeding, maybe more pelvic pain and cramping, indications of endocrine effects from these exposures. Cancers tend to be a longer developing problem. So be aware of what's changing in your health, both following the COVID shots, as well as following any exposures to these toxic plumes that have hit the United States. File complaints with the Environmental Protection Agency. Get involved, get active, get loud, and let's stand up for our health and our freedom and our lives. This is Dr. Lee for America, ending today's whistleblower report. Tune in every day, Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And go to our website, truthforhealth.org, where you've got lots of resources to stay healthy and be environmentally wise and active in your community. 